I have a feeling a lot of people are going to be very happy when they see what today's podcast is all about. Today we are speaking with Karen Curry, who is my personal human design teacher. I chose her specifically to lead the way in human design in my life because she has a beautiful way of breaking down the human design lingo in a way that feels very relatable and understandable. She has a book called Understanding Human Design, which I have currently right beside me on my desk. That was the first thing I got of hers, and then I realized how awesome this woman is, and I just had to learn from her. So I've been digging into human design through her courses and her teachings and tuning into her videos where she's just so giving. She's just always releasing new content and answering questions and making herself very available, which I really loved about her. So today she's coming on to the podcast. We recorded this interview a few months back, so the difference between where I was versus now, there's a slight shift. You know, it's July, it's new things are happening, life is moving on, but we're going to be going into my birth chart, which is always the same. And sometimes people tune into these kinds of podcasts where you're going into someone's birth chart with astrology, or maybe you've heard a human design reading or a psychic reading, and it can feel a little bit disconnected from you because you might be different and you don't have the same birth chart or the planets in the sky aren't the same for you as it is for the inner viewer. But for human design, the really great thing is you can still learn so much listening to insight about my chart because there are going to be things that most likely overlap. I might have open centers where you have open centers or closed. We might have the same type or authority or strategy. So I encourage you to listen regardless. I mean, human design is just so amazing and there's so much to learn from it. And Karen does a great way at talking about my chart while also making it very inclusive of other people. And we do get into the, the, the different types and strategies and authorities outside of just what uh, mine is. That said, I will make sure to include a photo of my chart so that you can follow along with what we talk about. It will be in the show notes for this episode. So check that out at mattymoon.com. Karen Curry is a best-selling author of multiple books, creator of the Human Design for Everyone training system, and the Quantum Alignment System. She has been speaking, coaching, training, and podcasting on these topics for almost 30 years, touching close to 10,000 lives around the world. Her core mission is to help people live the life they were designed to live by discovering who we are, what we are here to do, and how to activate our potential and our life path. With degrees in both nursing and journalism, Karen began her work as a midwife and also launched her own publishing company. That is so cool. Upon the birth of her own children, she focused on coaching and educating parents. She then studied advanced energy psychology techniques, such as EFT and belief point energy repatterning and human design. She blended her nursing training with her training in human design and energy psychology techniques to create a leading-edge coach training program called the Quantum Alignment System. She is currently pursuing her PhD in integrative health and working on her new book, Quantum Creativity. 
Karen's work has been featured on Fox News, Bloomberg Business Week, CBS, ABC, and various radio shows and telesummits. I adore human design, and I adore Karen Curry. This is the best podcast to listen to if you are interested in human design. So let's get started. at least my my audience, but I think the whole world right now is really, really excited about human design. It feels like it's getting this big wave of recognition. And you are one of the few people on human design that I feel breaks it down in a way that's really understandable in, um, in a world full of lingo that's a little bit challenging to catch on to in the traditional human design space, at least from what I've read. So first off, thank you for making it digestible for so many people and also for being so on top of sharing so much hu- human design content every single week. I'm really grateful to have you here today. Well, thank you for that. That's a great way to start. <laughs> um, I, 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 you know, I've been doing human design for 20 years and I really appreciate that you appreciate the, the gentle vocabulary because that's always been one of my biggest adventures with the system is it kind of comes out sounding alien, but it's really, really practical and such a juicy tool that uh, I didn't ever want the language to keep us from really getting the full benefit of the brilliance that the system brings. Yeah. And I mean, 20 years, that just goes to show how devoted you are to this. And I had this feeling within me that I really wanted to go deep into this work. And immediately when I found all the programs that you offered and the certifications and the courses, I was like, this is the woman I want to learn from just because she's not only not afraid to, you, you have such a personality, like I'm in the level two and you're really sassy and you're really spunky and you have some attitude at times and I love it. And it's just like so <laughs> true to you, but then you're also gentle and you're also slow and like you make sure that people learn in a certain order that they need to learn in, at least through this course that I'm doing, because it is really overwhelming at times. There's so much to a chart. That's true. It's true. And, and I think, you know, it's not, I think there's a testament to, again, the system that there is so much to a chart and recognizing that each chart also contains within it the code for every human story living on the planet right now. And that that code, because each human being is a cosmic once in a lifetime event, each story that we're living is a cosmic once in a lifetime event, that those stories, each and every one of them are sacred and they are worthy of the depth and the quality of exploration that you know, I think human design gives us as a way of understanding not only ourselves, but also each other. And I think 
Uh, at this time on the planet, we need that quality of empathy and compassion and awareness and understanding more than probably any other time before. I did a podcast on human design where I went over some of the basics, but you are the queen of human design. So I'd like to hear from you for everyone who didn't listen to that. Uh, just what is human design? And also, <laughs> why is it relevant to today? Okay, so I, I want to give you my, I'm going to probably have to start with my weird answer. So hang with me here. Um, so it. human design is a synthesis of Eastern and Western astrology, the Chinese I Ching, the Hindu chakra system, Judaic Kabbalah and quantum physics. Using your birthday, birth time and birthplace, just like with traditional astrology, we put it into a computer program and it spits out a very strange chart that's sort of uh, a profile of a human being with a triangle in the middle of it and all kinds of shapes and lines. And uh, this chart is not so much a predictive tool like sometimes we see with traditional astrology. It's not really a particularly spiritual tool by nature, meaning it's not the foundation of a religion or a cult. It's simply an energy map. It is a synthesis of what I like to call modern and ancient cross-cultural archetypes that gives you a map that helps you explore what are you here to do in this lifetime? Who is the story of who you are in this lifetime? What themes are you playing with? What is your life purpose? Meaning what's the purpose of the story you're living right now? And in conjunction with that, what is the intention of your soul? And how does your soul engage with this life story so that you can fulfill not only the purpose of your story as a human being, but the intention of your soul as it sought to manifest or incarnate on the planet at this time in your story. It tells you, the chart will tell you how you sleep. It will tell you how you work. It tells you a lot about what's important for you to have strong, dynamic, healthy, thriving relationships. It tells you, most importantly, I think, who you are what your purpose is, and, and I have to just always digress on this because I think we get so obsessed with our purpose being what we do. It's not about what you do. It's about who you be. It shows you who you be as part of your purpose, and it gives you sort of the lay of the land of what you're here to push against as part of your path to growth in this lifetime. It shows you where you're here to learn and what you're here to learn, it shows you what you're here to give back to the world. And, you know, I, I get excited talking about it every time because I just think, you know, my background is in coaching. I've been a life coach for more than 35 years. I was actually a life coach literally before we have even had a term for what it is that we were doing at that time. And, um, you know, I have a lot of background in different personality assessment systems. I've used Myers-Briggs. I've used DISC. Uh, you know, I've used the Enneagram and I'm not in any way poo-pooing any of those systems. I think all of those systems are really important and highly valid. And I think human design is a good complement to them because it does give you not just the information about who you are. It also shows you how you create an alignment with who you are, which is, I think, a little bit different than any of these other systems out there. So uh, that's the what, Madeline. That's a beautiful description. Like it, it, that was perfect. And the way that I, the way I, I often think about it, and I'm still myself trying to figure out how I can summarize this because it is so intricate. But it's like this really beautiful permission slip 
that's unique to each person. It's a sigh of relief because every time people hear about human design, it's not so much of like, oh, these are the things that I now have to put into place to live my highest self. It's like, it's more like, oh my gosh, these are the things I've been dying to put into place of how I want to live my life, but I just didn't know I could. I didn't know I was made to do that, but my body is naturally inclined to do these things. <laughs> so it's more of like a sigh of relief of like, oh, now I can finally just give myself permission to work differently from others, sleep differently from others. Um, like it just makes sense why you take in energy from different people once you start to understand your charts. That's amazing. I, I love I love that. I think I'm going to borrow that and I'll give you full credit. I promise. I'll call it the cosmic permission slip. Yes. Oh, my gosh. That's great. I love that. So so, uh, so I'm really I'm really fortunate here today because we're going to use my chart to go through a little bit, get a little mini reading here um, to help people understand how to read a chart. What do you think we should talk about before we do that to give people some insight um, to get prepared for that? So I think the first thing we need to talk about is the five different energy types, because um, one of the things that human design shows us is that we're not all the same um, and we don't create the same. And I think that's a really powerful and, and actually fundamentally powerful thing to understand, particularly at this time on the planet, because we are in the midst of a big shift in consciousness and a shift in our creative energy and a shift in the way in which we make things happen on the planet. We have been part of what I'll call material consciousness for hundreds of years. We have deeply tied our success in the world with material value and literally moving the mud of the planet, doing the work of the planet. And that's a way of working that works really well for a lot of people, but it's also a way of working that doesn't work well for a lot of people. And we don't all create and work in the same way. And as we move towards, we'll get heavy for a minute and then I'm going to, I promise I'll get to your chart. You know, we are, as I said, we're in the midst of a big shift and we're shifting from a material consciousness to quantum consciousness. We are looking right now at you know, just in the news this week without, you know, getting too depressing about it, that the statistics around the changes that are happening on a global level with just climate are accelerating at a rate that was not predicted before. We are getting to a crisis point in our human existence. And that crisis point is actually a really powerful opportunity for us to begin to change the way in which we create. You know, we got to the moon not so long ago, relatively speaking. And before we could get to the moon, we had to have people who believed we could get to the moon. We had to have people, dreamers, visionaries, who were able to go outside in their backyard at night or their pasture, whatever, wherever they were, and look up at the moon and say, you know, someday we're going to go there. And we, they probably got laughed at. They probably got you know, ridiculed for being dreamers and visionaries. And yet, right now, we're looking at a seemingly impossible situation that absolutely has a quantum answer to it. There is an answer to global warming. There is an answer to world peace that's already floating out there in the cosmos. And you know it's floating out there because human beings are at least thinking about it. And for us to create that solution, we have to really change the way in which we create, which means we are really moving towards creating from a place that's not so much about pushing and, and striving as much as it is about aligning 
and seeing possibilities and holding frequencies of energies. And it's a very different way of creating than before. And it's certainly, I think, we all stand on the cusp of this powerful creative revolution that I think we're about to engage in. And I think it will be as powerful as the scientific revolution was, you know, a couple hundreds, well, maybe four or 500 years ago. Um, so, you know, the understanding how you operate and most importantly, how you create is crucial for us to begin the process of bringing in an era of sustainable peace an era of sustainable resources, and an equitable era that is rooted in compassion and well-being instead of lack and and what I'll call othering. It's not my phrase, but it's a really good phrase where we other each other. We're going to not have to, we're, not, we're all under the same sun. We're all under the same moon. We're going to have to stop othering each other on this singular planet that we're on. So that being said, that's that was my rabbit hole. Um, so that being said, you know, each type, there are five energy types in the human design system, and each type plays a different role. Each type has a different way of working. Each type has a different way of using energy. The first type is called the manifester. Manifestors are approximately 8% of the population. The manifester plays the role of serving an internal, nonverbal, creative flow. So if you are a manifester, you have a nonverbal creative flow inside of you that is your job ultimately to follow. You are here to be deeply attuned to divine inspiration flowing through you and to when the timing feels right and when your alignment with that flow feels correct to go do whatever that, that creative flow tells you to do. The challenge with that is that Sometimes, because that creative flow is really nonverbal, it's such a direct connection to source, it bypasses language, that sometimes when you go follow that flow as a manifester, it confuses the people around you because they don't get what you're doing because they're not listening to the same thing that you are. And they can get upset with you or try to stop you or even try to help you, you know, with the best of intentions as you go follow whatever that creative flow is telling you to do. And so letting people know, talking to people, communication can sometimes be a really tricky piece for somebody who creates as a manifester or somebody who's designed to be a manifester. The second two types, I'll lump them kind of in the same category. They're a little bit different, but the basic premise of how they operate is very similar. The second two types are called the generators and the manifesting generators. These are both types who are here to do the work of the world. They are actually designed to go to work, do work, they like working. In fact, a generator or a manifesting generator, when they have found their right work, they actually really don't like the weekends because they really would rather be at work because they love what they do. The challenge for the generator types is finding the work that they love, especially because we are taught to find it and go out and make it happen, which really doesn't work for anybody, any of any human beings, generally speaking, with very rare exceptions. We are, as generator types, you are designed to let the right work find you, which means you pay attention to what shows up in your outer reality if you're a generator type. And then, and this is always the tricky part, and this is the part that cracks me up that it's so darn tricky. Then when things show up that in your field, things, opportunities, experiences, things people say, signs, whatever it is that shows up outside of your mind, because it's not about figuring out with your head, it's about paying attention to your outer world. When you see things in your outer world that interest you, that turn you on, that feel good and exciting, 
as a generator type, you're supposed to go do them. But the trick is, and I think probably the challenge is, most of us are trained to not do what feels good and right. We oftentimes hold ourselves back from that. We judge that. We feel guilty. We have a whole list of shoulds in our heads that we think we should follow, formulas that we think we should be following to create success in the world. And we don't pay attention to the unfolding of the cosmic red carpet on our reality that really allows us to follow the path that is right for our individual selves. And so the generator types really are here to stop thinking, stop trying to create from the formula. Instead, pay attention to what shows up outside of your world and to follow the steps that leads you towards the things that feel good and right. The fourth type, and this is you, the fourth type is called the projector. Projectors are approximately 20% of the population. I don't know if I said uh, generator types are about 70. Uh, so we've got 8% manifestors, 70% generator types, and then we have about 20% projectors. Projectors are here to manage and guide and direct the others. They are the ultimate cosmic managers. They are oftentimes people who do some kind of service-based work, coaching or healing, because that's what comes naturally to the projector. The projector has an innate capacity to look out onto the world and to see what needs to be fixed, what needs to be aligned, what needs to be healed in order for people to maximize their potential. They are deeply knowledgeable, deeply wise, and this isn't something they learn as a projector. You don't learn this over time. You are innately built this way. I have a 10-year-old, almost 10-year-old, who is a projector. And she's my only projector child. I have five children. My older, my older children are manifesting generators and generators. So I have this little projector child at the tail end. And watching her be a projector from the time that she was two, she was deep into her projector nature. We used to have to keep her off the balcony of our apartment because she would yell at people from the balcony if they weren't wearing their bicycle helmets. You know, she was very concerned that they weren't wearing their bicycle helmets. Or in the car, when I drive around in the car, I had to keep the back windows of the car locked because she would roll down the windows and yell things at people like, you shouldn't be smoking. Why are you smoking? Right. So, so it has been fun to watch how inherent this, this ability to support people in aligning with their personal best has, in, you know, has been a deep part of her personality. It's not anything she's learned. Um, and in fact, we joke, you know, she manages and guides us very nicely. Um, we probably wouldn't be here without her. Um, so, you know, projectors are a really, really important part of the creative process. The challenge for the projector is that, and you know this, you're not here to work in the traditional way that we think of as working. And so the projector doesn't necessarily have sustainable workforce energy. And in a world that is still deeply rooted in materialistic thinking, you know, when you don't have the energy to go to work in a traditional way, Monday through Friday, nine to five, if you, you know, you can't sustain that when you are a projector, it becomes very difficult sometimes for projectors to live in alignment in their life in a way that's correct for them, in a way that allows them to sustain their energy and express their brilliance. The other thing that's a little bit tricky for the projectors is they're not really here to manage and guide everyone even though they could, and they could, you could. They're really here to manage and guide their set of people, their tribe, and they have to kind of wait to find their tribe or to let their tribe find them. When you are a projector, for you to let your tribe come to you, you have to, first of all, 
be strong in your own sense of value. And that's really tricky for all human beings um, and certainly very tricky for a projector who maybe over the course of their life has been told, who asked you? And why are you bossing me around? And why are you giving me the advice? I didn't need to ask for this advice. That it's very easy sometimes for projectors to become disconnected from their sense of value or their self-worth. So for them to really be attractive to their tribe, to, for them to send up that big cosmic light and let people know where they are, they have to be strong in their value and they have to be willing and able to be waiting for an invitation or recognition to share what they have to offer. So projectors have to wait for invitations to do things in life. And that's not the little things. If you're a projector, you don't have to wait to be invited to go get your gas in your car or go out to eat or go do your laundry. But you do need to wait for invitations to the big things in life, like finding a job or getting married or starting a relationship. The big things need to come to you from through invitation. And that's not because you're less than or you're weak or you're dependent on others. It's because you are so precious and so valuable and what you have to offer is so important that you don't want to waste your energy giving it to people who don't get it. You need the people who see the value of who you are and what you have to offer to be the ones that call you out and invite you into engaging with you correctly. Otherwise, you're casting pearls before swine and you're giving the preciousness of who you are away to people who really don't get it. The last one is, uh, the last type is less than 1% of the population. They are called reflectors. Reflectors are here to reflect the health of their community. They take in the energy of the community around them and they, uh, you know, they, they experience and literally internalize on an energetic level the energy of their community and they express back to their community what's going on in their community. They can be oftentimes the canaries in the coal mine energetically. So a happy reflector is living in a happy community. An unhappy reflector is living in an unhappy community. They have to be in the right place with the right people for them to be expressing the full purpose of who they are. And reflectors really have to take their time. They need at least 28 days and sometimes more to really feel their way into making big decisions. So they're very foundational, but they also move at a speed that is oftentimes difficult for the rest, you know, for the, if, you know, when you're in the world in which we live, which is a pretty high speed world, when you are a reflector and you have to really wait your way through your cycles and your, um, your energies and your, uh, you know, your, the ways in which you take in energy from everybody else around you, that timing piece can be really hard for the reflector sometimes. So that's our foundation. Oh my gosh. So good. So amazing. So brilliant. Quick question on reflectors, because I get a lot of people who comment whenever I talk about human design, who are reflectors and they always have a sad face. They're just like bummed. Mm -hmm. They're a reflector. And I'm really curious, like, why do you think if you receive this too, like people are like, I'm a reflector. Why do you think that they're sad about this or frustrated about this? And then follow up question, do reflectors, because they are completely open um, in all of their energy centers, do they ever really know themselves? So uh, first of all, uh, I would say I think reflectors are sad because the emotional theme of the reflector is disappointment. And, <laughs> and, and you know, the disappointment for the reflector is this. When you think about 
the potential of a reflector to experience internally in an amplified way all of the potential for humanity. And they look out at, okay, this is what we're doing with all of this potential. It's disappointing. And then, of course, sometimes the disappointment can be very personal, too. When you have to take your time in a high-pressure world, what happens a lot of times is you're forced to make a decision before you're ready, and then you're kind of stuck with it. Uh, I'll give you an example. My oldest stepdaughter is a reflector, and last year she got into graduate school. She's a theater major. And, you know, theater in and of itself is already really difficult for her because if you go to an audition and you get a call back, you can't call them back and say, hey, you know, I need to sit with this for 28 days and I'll get back to you. You know, you got to make a decision. you got to make a decision in the moment. And that leads to a lot of disappointment for her that sometimes is really hard for her because she has to make a decision and then she finds out it's not the right decision and she can't just quit because then her reputation in the acting community is shot, right? So she has to just stick with it. So I think that's a big source of disappointment oftentimes for the reflector, uh, you know. And the second point, the second source is too, I think just, again, looking at the potential for humanity is awesome. And what humanity actually does with it sometimes can be very disappointing for the reflector. And I think, honestly, because there aren't as many reflectors, they're kind of mysterious. There's not a lot of material out there for them. So I do think sometimes they also are like, well, what am I, chopped liver? Um, you know, the the second thing for the reflector is, you know, when when we look at human design and you see your charts, those of you who've, who've never seen a chart before, or if you have your chart, you know, you have things on your chart that are colored in and you have things in your chart that are white. We are designed to share our energy with the world through the things that are colored in on our chart. And wherever we have white in our charts, and we all have white in our chart, is where we take energy and information in from others. And we don't just take it in, we amplify it. The challenge in that openness is that sometimes that openness causes us to lose connection with who we really are, with our authentic selves. We get our energy fields get hijacked because we become so sensitive to other people's energies that we're adapting and molding our behavior in such a way so that we keep other people happy or we keep ourselves from experiencing the negative parts of other people's energies. A reflector has a lot of openness and I think we equate that with being sensitive. And certainly I'm not going to say that reflectors can't be sensitive. They can. But the other part of it is, is that a reflector is amplifying because wherever you have openness, you're amplifying energy. They're amplifying an enormous amount of energy. And, you know, I will say that I haven't met a lot of reflectors. I don't have a huge reflector, what we call fractal, meaning I don't, it's not one of my, the big things that I tend to encounter in my practice. But I will say, as I said, I, I have a, a, a reflector stepdaughter. I have some reflectors in my life who I'm very close with. And none of them are shy, retiring, little sensitive door mice. I mean, they are powerhouses. I can feel my stepdaughter coming, you know, from the bus when she gets off the bus blocks away from before she even hits the house. Like her whole energy is like a giant shockwave and it's commanding. And I mean, she can command a stage and she can command the dinner table quite nicely. Thank you very much. I mean, it's a giant, giant energy. And I think that sometimes in the way in which we teach about the reflector, we talk so much about the sensitivity and the weakness of the sensitivity, which I think is also an interesting thing for us to just explore why is sensitivity considered to be weak, but that's a whole nother conversation. Um, 
And we forget that the potential for the reflector is to be enormously powerful, to borrow the energy of everyone in the room and amplify it. That's huge. And I think reflectors oftentimes really struggle with this sense of, well, I'm, I'm weak, I'm just a little mirror, and I have no power. And the op- it's really, really quite the opposite uh, is true. Yeah, and I wonder if they spend a lot of time taking in this energy and then directing it straight up to their mind space, trying to figure it out, like analyze it, overthink it. Why do I feel this way? Why, why, why? And like get to the bottom of it in their <laughs> brains instead of just like letting this energy flow, amplify it, then let it like process itself out and go into the next energy. Um, well, and I will add one other piece to it. I do think that some of it is also cultural. I think in America, we are all about rugged individualism. And in fact, if you run the chart for America and you use, you know, July 4th, 1776 as the birthday, America is a one, three projector. It wants attention, right? It wants that recognition and invitation. And we have a cultural identity around, you know, the American. And I think that, you know, the, the reflector, you know, is wanting to have that individual, I am, you know, this, you know, this person is individual and they are very much so. And yet they are also more than that. And that needing, you know, that learning to be the reflection is a very counterculture way of being, I think. And, and, you know, consequently, I think sometimes a little bit challenging in that respect. Okay, that's really interesting. I never thought about running the chart of America. That's like really cool. I love that idea. And mind-body musingers of the lens, we are going to take a very quick pause to talk about today's show sponsor. And I picked today's show sponsor specifically for this episode because what better way to support your human design, your type, your strategy than to make sure that your physical body feels really, really good. So I was elated to bring on Care Of to this episode of the podcast. It is a subscription service that delivers vitamins and supplements customized for whatever your specific health needs are. All you have to do is take a quick quiz online to answer questions about your diet, lifestyle, fitness, and health goals. And then Care Of will put together a personalized plan just for you. And I loved, loved, loved taking my quiz. I was very surprised when I answered all the questions about my digestion, how that's been going recently, not quite so on the up and up. And then I talk a little bit about my energy and my fatigue. And this is all stuff that I've been dealing with living a New York lifestyle, right? I might be getting a little bit less sleep with the sounds and the lights and the stimulation. And I might need a little bit more downtime in order to have my meals in a way that feels safe and nourishing and slow, but also because my body might not quite be in the most surrendered state, it helps to have certain enzymes and probiotics to make sure my gut is doing really good. So I took their online quiz. It was super easy, simple, didn't take very long. And they whipped up this really amazing, diverse a set of vitamins for me, including a probiotic blend, ashwagandha, rhodiola, vitamin D, a B complex, all things I have not been taking. I've been taking my standard multivitamin, 
my fish oils, my magnesium, and uh, digestive enzymes. But I wasn't taking all of these other things that are really powerful herbs and supplements to help with my nutrition so that I can be the most powerful projector that I can possibly be. So you want to go online. You want to check out their quiz and see that they whip up their own personalized plan for you specifically. And then if you choose to move forward and order it, the awesome thing is, all of your supplements come in these daily little packets so that you can just take them on the go because we all live very busy lifestyles, but that doesn't mean we want to sacrifice our health. And with that said, we don't want to sacrifice our planet's health. So all of these packets are compostable. And on their website, they even give you tips on how to compost the packets. If you are vegan or vegetarian, worry no more. You have supplement options available to match your dietary needs to ensure you get the nutrients you want while not sacrificing your values or morals one bit. So if you are ready to take the quiz and to try out care of, get these new supplements and vitamins that are going to help you live the most powerful human design proof life you possibly can live, you can get 25% off simply by being a listener of the podcast. For 25% off your first care of order, go to takecareof.com and enter the code Maddie Moon, and that is all caps, Maddie with a Y. Again, for 25% off your first care of order, go to takecareof.com and enter the code Maddie Moon, one word, all caps. I would love to hear about your experience. So would care of. So feel free to let us know what vitamins you order by taking a photo, sharing it on your Instagram story or wherever you're at and sharing the difference it's made for you. All right, let's get back to the show. Let's go over to my chart. Me, 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 me. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. You're, you're a projector. You need the recognition. Yes, so. recognize me. <laughs> so you are a projector who is what we call the incarnation cross of contagion. So every chart has what's called the incarnation cross, and there's almost 200 different incarnation crosses. The incarnation cross is basically what I like to call the plot outline of your life story. So your plot outline on your life story is about through your commitment and dedication, making a contribution to the world by teaching people how to fan the flames of their alignment with the truth of who they are to create greater abundance in the world. That's your life purpose. That's, you know, and that, that life purpose can take many, many forms. And, you know, and you could do that as a fireman, you could do that as a nurse, you could do that as a podcast host, as a human design specialist, as a coach, as a whatever you, you know, it's not about what you do. It's about who you be. And when you are being the fullest expression of who you are, you are here to transform the way people perceive themselves. And that's because you have, in addition to being cross of contagion, You have in the center of your chart a defined G-center. The G-center is the diamond. There's a diamond in the center of the chart, and that diamond is the center for love and direction. And your center for love and direction is defined through two archetypes. It's an archetype that when you put these two archetypes together, makes you a creative role model, meaning that when you live true to who you are, because this energy is transformational energy, you inspire others to do the same. And you do this by first and foremost modeling for people what it looks like to be a pioneer in living true to who you are. You are mutative by design, meaning 
You are here to bring change. When we look at the human design chart, within the chart, there are all kinds of lines and channels. And it's really kind of like a funky circuit board. And it has different circuits in it. And there are three primary kinds of circuits. There's mutative or individual circuitry, tribal circuitry, and collective circuitry. The way these energies play out is that there are energies within the chart, individual circuitry or mutative circuitry, that are here to be different. And you are definitely here to be different, right? Those, those transformative energies, those mutative energies, start to change the people around them. And you change the people around you not just by sharing with, with commitment and passion who you are and what you're here to do. You do it by being yourself. And that's really how we create change in the world. We be the fullest expression of who we are. Through the mutation, the mutation or the individual circuitry changes the tribe. It changes the people around you in your immediate circle. So when you look at your immediate circle, you're already, I'm sure, transforming the people around you simply by being the one that brings new things to the, to the surface, that's having new and innovative conversations and dialogue. You're a kind of person who wants to explore the leading edge of what's possible and the expression of the self from the soul, right? Once the tribal people around you start to change, so when you start to create this wave of change by being who you are and your immediate tribe begins to shift and change because of you, then those people then go out and change the people around them. And that, that transformation then becomes an individual change that changes the people around you that ultimately changes the world around them. So we see it within the different kinds of circuits the actual mechanics of social evolution for humanity. It's actually kind of cool when you look at the chart, and this gets a little bit more deep than I think we can go in on a podcast, but it is cool to note that the system itself sort of contains the mechanics of social change within it and what we need to do ultimately to inspire social change, both on an individual level and on a tribal and on a collective level. So you're here to be different. There's just no, no way around that one. You're here to be different and you have got to follow your passion with this design because if you're not following your passion and if you're not living true to who you are, then you are going to get exhausted and depleted. That's the, the soft point in this chart. You're a projector. You're a projector who has burnout in your earth, the potential for burnout in your earth. And actually you have a little bit of it in your sun energy as well. These are prominent positions in the chart. These are gentle reminders for you, not... You know, first of all, to know as a projector, because this is a projector theme, to know when enough is enough, to pace yourself. And because you are a two, four profile and every chart has a profile, which looks like a little funky fraction. There are 12 different profiles. Your profile is about your learning style. And it also tells you a lot about what you need to stay aligned with expressing you the truth of who you are. You are a two, four profile, which is called the hermit opportunist, which means as a hermit, and a projector, and a projector with the potential for burnout. And I don't know how old you are. How old are you, my darling? 27. Ah, see, you're going through your Saturn cycle, <laughs> too. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> so, and your Saturn is in the unconscious 41, which means, which means I, would, I would lovingly and gently throw a little red flag on the play for you and just say, be mindful as you move towards Saturn that, um, that you really pace yourself that you really make sure that your imagination doesn't get ahead of your energy. Um, and recognize that for you, you need alone time to regenerate your energy field. 
And that's crucial as a hermit, that that alone time has to be balanced, which is always in contrast with your unconscious line in your profile. That's the fourth line, which is called the opportunist, because the fourth line is a party animal. The fourth line wants to go out and do all kinds of fun stuff. And so you have this conflict inside of you between, do I stay? Do I go? Do I go out? Oh, do I stay? Yes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and, you know, because so much of your life purpose is about impacting others, your fourth line is like, let's go. And your second line is like, let's not. <laughs> so for you, really honoring the preciousness of who you are enough to say, I'm not going to miss an opportunity if I don't go, that it's okay for me to practice religious self-renewal, not necessarily religious self-renewal, but be religious about self-renewal. And that requires of you that you take alone time consistently and in a practiced, deliberate and conscious way. That would be the first piece. The second thing for you is when I look at the wiring in your chart, you care. You are designed to hook into other people's energies and to have the caring about others activated in your chart, which is awesome and beautiful and profound and also potentially exhausting because it's very easy for you as a projector to see the potential of the people around you, to feel like you need to coach all your close loved ones, all the people you care about, to coach them into fulfilling their potential which is lovely if they've invited you to do that, but not so great if you're pushing with energy you don't have trying to manage and guide and direct the people you care about. It's the fast track to burnout if you're over-caring and overtaking with the caring of others to the degree to where you blot out your own energy and your own needs and your own need for alone time. I feel so wildly understood right now. <laughs> and if anyone has been like been listening, because this show has been around for five years, so if anyone's been listening since day one and like following every week, my voice, my teachings, all this, like they probably are like, yes, this sounds exactly, this like, sounds exactly like me to a T. And I will also add, or I guess a question, and I've I, there's a a change because I do care so much. And you're right, like four years ago I was just trying to coach left and right and everyone and because that led me into severe burnout I'm now in this place where it, it it's not that part of my coaching abilities feel like they're turning off but it's more that I'm just so tired that there's very little it feels like to give in that same way that I was giving 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 so much five years ago like my one-on-one -on -one practice is kind of I'm backing away from it big time because I'm so tired that I don't have, I'm, I'm just trying to come back home to myself and honoring myself. And the alone time is crucial for me. And I'm going through this interesting period um, of being, having the highest integrity of who I bring into my inner circle, friends, dating, anything, because I'm starting to realize how much I love being that hermit and being by myself and I'm being very intentional on protecting my energy because I want to be able to help other people and, and teach and lead and I know that in order to do that I've got to have a lot of time away to protect my aura and my space to keep it very clean. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Totally, totally and you know I think the other part of it is and this is really true of all projectors. One-on-one -on -one is great if you pace yourself. And 
with you being cross of contagion, which has a life path of, you know, turning other people on to their own fire, you're not here to play small. And if you play small and do the one-on-one, you will burn out, especially because you do have a lot of sensitivity and, and openness in this chart. And I have to add one other little piece for you. You do have the design of a writer, and I don't know if you've thought about writing or, or some form of a media transmission, but you do have the design of a writer. Okay, can, so, I, can I just tell you, I was uh-huh. born, like coming out of the womb, writing writing fiction. That was my <laughs> thing, was writing fiction. Like my mom would actually write it down for me because I couldn't write yet, but then we wrote all these books together. I wrote like my version of the fourth Lord of the Rings novel, like writer, 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 then I went to college and I was a creative writing major and then I wrote poetry and I wanted to be a poetry major. Thank goodness I didn't do that. Um, I ended up being an English major and I wrote for magazines. And then once I started my show, um, my blogs turned more into podcasting because I realized how much I love conversation. But Mm -hmm. every time I stop it has, it's a, when you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else, right? So when I finally get really clear that I'm wasting my time being on Facebook and responding to DMs on Instagram or whatever it may be, and I save that energy and I finally get to sit down and write, I'm like, oh my gosh, I miss this so much because writing is such a, it's like, to me, it feels like the divine. And I let go of that often because the podcast is where I get the most exposure and this and this, but writing is like my, my portal to God. It feels like. Yes. I love that. And that's actually, I think, you know, your one eight comes from the, the depths of your soul. So yes, totally. When you write, you are connected to the soul essence of who you are. Where do you see that too? Like, how do I see that I'm a writer on my chart? So the one eight and the 41, and uh, are two, th- two or three markers technically uh, that are writer, writing markers for you. Mm. Um. Okay, beautiful. This is oh, so exciting. I also was curious. <laughs> this is very like different, and I've got you here. I've got to ask you, but food and working out. Like, what does my chart say about this? Because I have this. I, I just ha- I have a past, this is kind of separate, but I have a past of eating disorders, disordered eating, bodybuilding, going so intensely, so hard, um, and that was for about seven years of my life, and that's really when the show started was when I was getting over that, but even to this day, my relationship with working out is so much more intuitive, but still oftentimes just, I never really find my sweet spot of what works for me, what actually feels really good. And maybe that's because it's always transitioning. Some days I want to lift weights and some days cardio and some days yoga. But I'm also just curious if there's anything in here that says like how I best move my body, whether it be energetically, like am I made for quick bursts and short amount of time or am I made to take it slow? And then same with food. I'm just curious if there's anything in here about um, I know some human design teachers talk about you're, you work really well when you eat big meals, you work really well when you eat small meals, you're a grazer, you're this and that. What are your <laughs> thoughts about, about it? All of that? Uh, you're making me go into dangerous territory. Um, okay. So I am a renegade in this community. Uh, you know, I, I have, I'll just call a spade a spade here, you know, human design. Uh, there are aspects of human design that, you know, I think people have embraced as a pedagogy. And 
And I think you can't have a pedagogy when the purpose of the system is to connect people with their own inner authority. Because what if your inner authority says, hmm, screw the, pe screw the pedagogy, it's not working for me. Um, so I have a lot of problems with some of the more traditional human design teachings that are actually not in the traditional human design teachings. These are more recent evolutions, actually, in the teachings of human design. This came a lot later than the original human design teachings. I have a lot of problems with systems that say you should eat this or you should eat that or you should eat this way or that way. First of all, because my background is actually in, in as a nurse. I'm a nurse by training. Um, and I'm a midwife, actually. My original job was to be, a, I worked so as a midwife. And so it's like, you know, as, a, as somebody who knows women's bodies very well, you know, a woman's body has seasons. And, and as you go through different seasons in your body, whether you're, you're, you know, an adolescent or you're a young woman or you're pregnant or you're healing from, from something that's gone on in your body or you're a nursing mom or you're going through menopause or, you know, whatever, you know, your nutritional needs will change. And your inner authority, I believe, is very well designed to know what you need and to buy into a pedagogical teaching that says, oh, you're this type, therefore you should eat this, doesn't take into account seasons and changes or things like exposure to toxins or stress or whatever else can actually impact the body and change nutritional needs. So, or soil quality or whatever, there's a lot of stuff that can affect it. So I, I'm not a big fan of the, you know, modal, you know, of the aspect of human design that says, oh, here are the rules about how this person should eat. Um, I have had you know, I personally don't relate to what my chart says I should eat like. And in fact, um, I can't, I am, I, I do amateur cycling. I can't train if I eat that way. I don't, it doesn't work for my body at all. Um, and it doesn't take into account genetics either, by the way. So there's that piece. Um, uh, so I would say for you, because you are a projector, but you are what's called a motorized projector and your motor is emotional and it's adrenal. You have to do, you have to work out when you're in the mood in the way in which your mood dictates. And that means that it might not be consistent for you. The trick is because you have an open sacral, which means sometimes the theme of when you have an open sacral center is not knowing when enough is enough, is making sure you don't push too hard into a field like bodybuilding and then burn yourself out, which would be my big concern for you, um, is to know when enough is enough and when you're hitting that, that exhaustion point, not so much the sweet point, because you do have the potential with this chart to go into adrenal fatigue if you're not careful. The second thing is when I look at this chart is you do have a little bit of potential for emotional eating. And sometimes for projectors, especially emotional eating comes when you neglect to take the alone time necessary to discharge the energy that you've picked up in the world. And so when you are a projector type, and this is actually also true for manifestors and reflector types, if you go out into the world and you take in too much workforce energy and you don't take that downtime to get that energy out of your body, it can feel like you've had too much coffee all the time and it creates a certain kind of buzz or anxiety feeling. And someone with a design like yours with the, the gate 55 or the gate um, 39 defined, you have the 39 defined, sometimes to compensate for that extra energy, you can eat. And depending on whether you crave sugary things, which will be 
which might be the beginning, what you might experience in the beginning, or whether you crave salty things, it's going to tell us a lot about the health of either your emotional energy and your pancreas or your adrenals. So if you're craving sugary things, it may be that you are struggling to feel or connect with the sweetness of life. If you're craving salty things, that's often a symptom of adrenal fatigue and that that may be an indication that you've really pushed it too hard and for you to be really mindful of that as well. And I would say even in terms of nutrition, you know, you don't have, you know, I, I look at your chart and I, the, what you eat, I mean, obviously I'm not going to say, you know, go eat a bunch of chocolate and whatever. I would say that there's not a whole lot of hard and fast rules with, with what, the way you're designed. I would say the biggest piece for you is not so much what you eat as staying hydrated because the gate 39 is part of digestion and assimilation and hydration can be extremely important here. And the hydration can actually influence what you crave if you get too dehydrated, particularly if you're working out hard um, or you're not drinking enough water. It can actually, again, because this energy is way at the bottom of your chart and you don't have a lot of cognitive uh, connection with it, um, it can feel like buildup of anxiety or pressure or even adrenaline energy. And if you're not getting enough hydration, you're not moving that adrenaline energy through the system and that extra any of that extra endocrine stuff that's down here through the system very adequately. So cool. Again, it's like the permission slip because I literally have three cups around me, one with water, one with tea, one with coffee. Like I've got all my liquids. So I'm always hydrated. Um, <laughs> and it's very, I, I, I've been craving salt for the past year intensely. Like I, I cannot get enough salt recently. And this, I mean, it all makes sense. It's just like, yep, yep, yep. Because uh, I spent the past half of the year traveling nonstop with a partner that I just met and we just go, 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 go. And I'm learning human design under you and I'm learning this and I'm building these things. And like, it's, it's really fascinating how with all of the things going on, I can feel very intensely my burnout. Um, it's like almost I can, it, it happens together between my physical body not being able to do anymore and uh, emotionally and creatively, I can't do anymore. It's, I'll go through these periods of just having to lie in bed and recharge. The The theme of craving salt has been pretty consistent. I'm glad you said what you said beforehand about not being a big fan of these hard and fast rules with human design. I completely agree with that. Um, and last thing that I want to say about what you shared is also it's really it's really cool because I typically try to schedule workouts and that doesn't seem to work for me because what am I going to feel like that day at 2 p.m. that I have it on my calendar to go to that class I might not feel like it so every mm -hmm. time I take those off my calendar and I wait until that day to see to ask myself ask my body how do I feel I always feel a lot more relief because if I schedule something and it's 2 p.m. and I don't feel like it there's almost this inherent I don't want to use the word guilt because I don't have that emotion around this anymore, but there's like that subconscious frustration that I'm not sticking to what I plan to do. So taking it off the calendar solves all those problems because I just get to wait until to see how I feel. And if I feel like doing something great, then I'll just go do that thing. And maybe I won't feel like anything at all. And then I have total permission just to not go, not go hit it hard or not even do yoga. I just kind of like move my body and, my regular daily activities. And sometimes that's all I need that sometimes that's even too much. 
Totally. And I think, uh, you know, I, and this is obviously true for you as a projector. And I would even say, um, this is true for human beings. We have a lot of mythology around uh, habits. That's a good way of putting it. We have a lot of mythology around habits and a lot of belief systems around, you know, consistency is the key to change. And the only way you're going to get change is to have good habits, blah, 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 right? And then we beat ourselves up because we have this idea of this is what a habit is. It's, you know, get up at five o'clock every morning and then meditate and then journal and then go run and then eat, you know, granola or goat milk or whatever, right? And what we see in the chart is that people create success and consistency even in the most unique ways and that there are people who really, really, really benefit from consistency. I have the gate five defined in my chart. I need rhythm and consistency. If not, I have not had rhythm and consistency for two weeks in my life, my personal life, and it makes me a grouchy pants. And there's just no way around that. I am not a happy person when I'm not in my rhythm. And it's boring for my husband who has the opposite, who like cannot be in any kind of rhythm. He's not designed to be in rhythm. He's designed to be uh, extreme in his rhythm. And uh, you know, he needs to have the freedom to follow the flow for you in your chart. It's not so much about rhythm or flow as much as it is about mood and your mood has to be your emotional frequency has to be aligned with whatever action you're intending. And if it's not, it's really hard for you to get your passion behind it and put your energy into it. Mm -hmm. You do have your son in the gate of commitment, the gate 29. You can override your mood and push yourself through it. It's kind of like fake willpower, this 29 energy. But that's not particularly good for you. And, you know, learning to give yourself permission to honor your mood is really important. Mm. Right? Because I have the emotional authority. And for right. projectors, there's the emotional authority and then there is the splenic authority, right? Right. Okay. Right. Exactly. And, and also one of the things that I learned about, around having this emotional authority, by the way, are you okay on time? I know it's, it's noon, so I just want to make sure we have a little more, more time. I think we're yeah, good, it's noon good for me. Call. <laughs> good call. Let me check my schedule. I think I have a couple more minutes. Okay. So. All right. I'll make this one fast. Um, with having the emotional authority, what I've learned from you is that it's good to wait for your emotions to, um, I don't know exactly how you describe it, but like go through their own process. Like don't say yes immediately to like an opportunity because you might be really happy and so if I feel really happy, then it feels like a yes, I'll go out to dinner with you tomorrow. And then the next day I might wake up and be like, why in the world did I say yes to that? Because my mood might be different. So it's good to ride the waves until they, they level out. Is that kind of what happens? Or is like an average of your moods that add up and divide <laughs> and that's the one that you end up feeling? That, that's a really tricky one. So let's, let's walk through this one because I think the way this gets taught is sort of interesting. Um, because there is sort of this sense of, oh, I should wait until the mood is right. And I think that's very confusing because, you know, how do you know if you have a lot of variability in your emotional energy? When is the mood, quote unquote, right? Right. Um, so the way I like to teach it is that when you have emotional authority, and that's only half of the people on this planet, it means you're not here to be spontaneous, first and foremost. You need time. And how much time you need is different depending on each person and their own configuration. What that does mean is not so much you have to wait and feel your way into emotional alignment, which is like a wiggy kind of non-specific thing that is very confusing. What that really means is that when you get an opportunity, 
you have to love that opportunity in the moment and you have to continue to love that opportunity over time. If you get an opportunity and you're like in the, in the moment, your first response is, yes, this is awesome. And then, you know, a couple hours later, you're like, oh my God, no way, this is going to be terrible. And then, you know, a couple hours later, you're like, I don't know, it could be okay. And then a couple hours later, you might be, no, it's just terrible. And then, you know, a couple hours after that, you're like, this is amazing. I can't believe I got this opportunity. And you're all over the place with that energy. It's really not the right opportunity for you because what's going to happen is if you commit to that opportunity, you're going to mirror that same all over the place energy the entire time you're in relationship with that whatever that opportunity is. So that means you're going to be constantly struggling to get your energy on board, to bring your alignment there, to feel like, oh, I'm really, really present to this opportunity. If you, so, so the, the, when you've got a lot of variability around something and you have uncertainty around it, then it's really not the right thing for you. The things that are right for you when you have emotional definition are the things that continue to feel right over time. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. I have something in my mind that I'm like, oh man, if I if I think back to that moment that I said yes to this particular thing, I remember feeling really iffy about it. There was a lot of mm-hmm. stuff going on in my mind about like, yeah, it sounds great, but also like this commitment is going to be really big and it's going to be long term. Like, am I ready? And I kept feeling off about it, and I said yes anyways, um, and I pushed through through most of it until I couldn't anymore. And then I had to back down and it led to a lot of issues that are still continuing to this day. And yeah, so that like really rings true for me because then when I think about other things like going to a trip and maybe I was like a yes when I first heard about the trip, I was a yes a day later after that. I mean, those were the best experiences ever. I was just a solid, solid yes to going to those trips or moving here. I just moved to New York. It just felt like a constant yes. And it's really, it's really fascinating the the difference in how all of those opportunities that felt like constant yeses felt in my body versus the ones I committed to that were not constant yeses and I should have slowed down around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I think again, let's take the whole idea of emotional alignment off the table because that's a very nebulous sort of concept. Um, and also a concept that I think the brain can jump in on and decide that the mind is going to create your emotional alignment and instead Mm -hmm. go, does it feel right? Does it continue to feel right over time? And if so, then yeah, go do it. And if not, don't do it. And it's kind of that simple. Mm. And, and I know you got to go, so we won't go on all these, but there are how many authorities total? Just because I know there's... Oh, see, see, that gets into a messy conversation yeah. with me too because I have a lot of really... I have grossly simplified it. There's basically your emotional authority. There's splenic authority if you do not have a defined sacral. And then there's self-authority, which means... And, and really, this is true for all projectors and reflectors and even some generators with an undefined or an, or an undefined throat. Self-authority just means you need to talk to somebody. You need a sounding board mm-hmm. to hear yourself walk, you know, talk through it in order for you to have clarity. So I think we make authority very, very you know, complicated. And again, it doesn't have to be complicated. You know, if you're emotionally defined, does it feel right over time? If you're emotionally open, go do it. If you're splenic, does it feel right in your gut in the moment? And those are not, you don't use your spleen to make big decisions. Those are just the little decisions like, should I take this vitamin or is this the right juice for me? Right. And then there's sacral authority, which is, you know, the uh-huh, uh-uh. 
if you are a generator type. Mm-hmm. And if anyone wants to hear more about that, go to maddiemoon.com slash human dash design because I talked about what that uh-huh, uh-huh isn't and is. Okay. Amazing. <laughs> you are. This is one of the most fun episodes I've recorded in a while just because I'm so fascinated by it. And we talked about me, 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 which is great. Um, <laughs> so Karen, thank you so much for coming on today. And where can people either follow you online, keep up with your work, and maybe even deep dive a little further into your programs? So I, I if you want to follow me online, Facebook, or we have a Facebook page, which is called Human Design for Everyone, which is a really cool page. We've got all kinds of articles that we post all during the week. And every Friday at 1 p.m. Central, we actually have a show called The Quantum Alignment Show, um, where Either I or many of my students have the opportunity to share great one-hour lessons and conversations about cool stuff in human design. And uh, we actually have, I'm really excited about this, I actually have a brand new program because my passion has always been also about how do I make human design more affordable for people because it can get really expensive and I think a lot of the ways people price it is really exclusive. So I have a brand new program, it's, it's called the Human Design Community, very complex title, right? Uh, <laughs> the website is Understanding Human Design, which also happens to also be the same title of my book, which you can get on Amazon. So Understanding Human Design, it is a membership, online membership community. We have in there all kinds of amazing classes, courses, including long, nice, beautiful classes about each of the human design types. We have an introduction to human design program in there. We've got courses in there about human design and money, human design and relationships. Uh, I'm getting ready to lead an all-day virtual online retreat in May uh, of 2019 um, that's about quantum heart activation and human design. That membership site, Understanding Human Design, it has a really nice low-cost option. You can join the membership for $27 a month you get online coaching, you get online conversations with all kinds of human design specialists. And we do have bi-monthly live classes. And then once a month I get on there and I answer human design questions for as long as it takes me. So sometimes it's a couple of hours, but we get on there and we look at charts and we ask questions and we explore human design. So um, that's probably, I think, the best way to really dive in and learn as much as you want to without any kind of limitations for those of you who don't know when enough is enough. <laughs> so. That's amazing. Thank you for offering that. That's the first time I've heard of anything like that in the human design space. So, so needed. Um, and I know a lot of people from my world are fascinated by this right now. So I'm sure they'll all be wanting to join. So thank you. Ooh, cool. Good. Thank you, Maddie. Thank you for having me. And I, um, I'm excited to continue to watch you uh, grow in your human design expertise and I love your love 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 your work in your show so thank you so much for having me as a guest thank you thank you for the recognition you know I love it it feels really good <laughs> um, we will I have a feeling that you're gonna have to come back on this show if you can create some time for it because I mean it's just so deep and um, so easy to talk to you so thank you for coming on the mind body musings podcast and surprise, surprise, the audio might sound a little bit different now because I'm adding on a different outro. The show notes will include all of the links, everything we have talked about on the show today. You can go head on over to maddieman.com and you will find that there. We would love to hear your thoughts. If you want to contribute them to the Instagram post or to the show notes post, let us know. What did you love about this? What is your type? What is your strategy, your authority? What aha moment did you have in this podcast? 
Another reason why I wanted to add on an outro here is because I am doing something very new that I'm very excited about. Well, I've got two things. One of them, as you know, I have the Embodied Archetype Retreat coming up in November. This is going to be a mind-blowing experience where we are going to be going into our shadow sides through the art of storytelling. It will be in New York. It will be here. So if you are craving to get out of your comfort zone in more ways than one, come to New York and experience the Embodied Archetype, a weekend where we will be going deep into our shadows. It is co-hosted by Jamie Woolrab, who is an actor and vocal coach. He has been on the podcast and myself. And we'll be entering these places that we typically don't go into, such as our jealousy, or our uh, bossiness, or our bitchiness, or our need to take up space, the part of us that wants to be seen and loved, all the different parts of us that society has deemed as shameful or wrong, we're going to be saying yes, yes to them, and we're going to be playing with them through storytelling and through creating art in a way out of this experience. It's going to be flirting on the verge of acting, but you do not have to be an actor or anyone that's familiar with it or improv in any sense. We're gonna be making it work for everyone who comes at whatever level you're at. And whatever you're comfortable with, that might be just a little bit out of that zone. So let us know if you're interested and we can hop on a call with you just to talk to you more about the event. If it has your interest peaked, that is a good sign that you should reach out. The other thing that I am doing is a four week women's small group. This is going to be no more than 10 people, most likely less. We're going to have four calls, each an hour and a half, most likely on Mondays, where I'm going to lead you through embodiment practices and then I'm going to coach you. It's going to be very intimate. So I will coach all of you who come onto the call. We'll talk about relationships. We'll talk about the feminine and masculine, having a flow, having a container, your love life, your attachment style, Truly, it is whatever you desire to be coached on. This is very intimate, and I am only charging for this entire series in total 300, which is less than what I charge for my one-on-one coaching for an hour. Um, so if you are interested and you've applied to coaching before, but you didn't follow through or we decided it wasn't the right time, this might be a perfect entry for you to experience being coached by me and also being led just being led in an embodiment practice to feel what it's like to go into these different archetypes without having to know up front what you're looking for, just to sit back and, and enjoy the work and do the work. I would love to have you in this group. It is very easy to enter. Uh, right now I have quite a few spots open, so all you have to do is send the 300 to moi on Venmo at Maddie Moon, M-A-D-D-Y Moon. And you can always email or reach out to me first just to double check if we have spots open, if that would make you feel more comfortable. You can email me at hello at maddiemoon.com or you can go to Instagram and message me directly. But I don't know if I'll do this again. I certainly don't know if I'm gonna charge less than what I charge for an hour again. Um, Nothing is certain. So if your heart's like, yes, this is the time for community, for learning more about the feminine, to have some self-care, some routine self-care where I'm gonna show up on these Mondays for an hour and a half and devote it to my sisters and to myself, join us. The calls will be recorded and we will do it via Zoom. So it's all face-to-face. I would love to have you there. Please do reach out. Check out Karen's work. Go head on over to her website and check out all the videos that she does about human design. 
and I look forward to having you come back to another episode of the Mind Body Musings podcast next week. Thank you.